I recently purchased a Geiger counter. Actually, it should be called a Geiger Muller counter, because without the Geiger Muller tube that was developed in 1928, the Geiger counter on its own would not be of any practical use whatsoever, except maybe decoration in your living room to impress unexpected visiting friends and relatives and to have a conversation topic when someone says, What's that? Anyway, Hans Geiger got all the credit, but without Walther Muller, he would have definitely fallen into scientific oblivion and perhaps pursued a career in home improvement and decoration. And the world would be a different place, wouldn't it? Well, maybe not, because someone else would have probably invented a counter and a tube to measure ionizing radiation, and Geiger and Muller would have turned out to be singer-songwriters, you know, like Simon and Garfunkel, or Sonny and Cher. So, I recently bought a Geiger-Muller counter. I'm not sure why. I can't say I needed one. But it was a good deal at the pawn shop. I asked the clerk who the owner was and why he or she wanted to dispose of it. The clerk said, I'm not allowed to disclose the owner's identity. But in this case, the owner is non-binary. So it's neither he nor she. It's they. Okay, fine. But does ionizing radiation have anything to do with that person being non-binary? I asked. No, the clerk replied. And how about Geiger and Muller? Who says they weren't non-binary, he continued. Who says they blended into mainstream binarism and normativity? and didn't belong to the sexual and gender minorities who are not heterosexual and cisgender and straddle a broad spectrum of non-normative sexual and gender identities and politics. You mean the singer-songwriters? I asked. The clerk gave me a strange look, the look that someone has on their face when they realize there's something going on in your head and you're not sharing it. So anyway, I bought it. I can measure ionizing radiation whenever I feel like it. You know, like alpha or gamma rays. Typically, the Geiger-Muller tube is filled with an inert gas such as helium, argon, or neon. But mine was empty so I decided to fill it with root beer. Don't snicker. That is precisely how you're supposed to do blue sky research. You start with a hunch, and one thing leads to another. Trial and error. Well, long story short, 
After several months of testing with different types of root beer and getting the adjustments right, now I know for sure there is no radiation whatsoever in my living room. None. Occasionally, the needle twitches just a tiny little bit when I watch a documentary on TV about Three Mile Island, Chernobyl, or Fukushima. That's about it. Sometimes, a local school takes the kids on field trips to my living room to show them my Geiger-Muller counter. I give them a lecture with a PowerPoint presentation about ionizing radiation, alpha rays, gamma rays, argon, neon, Simon and Garfunkel, and root beer. And I tell them that Hans Geiger and Walther Muller initially started off as singer-songwriters, but weren't very successful because of their names, which sound more like scientists' names than artists' names. I move on to tell them that life is about the pursuit of happiness, which, whatever you do, involves entertaining others. Whether it be with song and dance, or with nuclear radiation, and mixing isotopes at very high temperatures in pools of acid, and creating hazardous waste with a half-life of 12 billion years. Whatever you choose to do, the secret of life is to be faithful to your calling, your dream. When they leave, the kids are delighted. But the school teachers always give me that strange look. And welcome. You're listening to the Muffy Drake Podcast, and I'm your host, Bobo. (laughs) You've probably noticed by now that we here at the Big MD, well, we sort of step to the beat of a different drummer. We like to sort of talk and walk and play on the quirky side. And when we play... We, uh, well, we play with a match grip style that would piss Buddy Rich off, but Ginger Baker would understand the transgression as long as we kept it tight and in the pocket in a syncopated fashion that would make Gene Krupa smile. This outfit is based out of Paris and is a proud Franco-American production team of storytellers who tell absurd, non-sequitur stories, one right after the other, totally untethered and unrelated. And if this isn't your cup of tea, strange brew that it is, now would be the time to step off the train and surrender your passport because things are about to get strange and you don't need that passport stamped where we're going, if you know what I mean, Jellybean. Trust me, Muffy Drake isn't for everybody. 
It's, uh, how can I explain it? It's the difference between, say, a 1958 bottle of rare vintage Chateau Mouton, Rothschild, and last week's Mad Dog 2020. And if you listen to the very end, you very well may decide that Muffy Drake is the Velveeta cheese product that your Camembert ears have been waiting for. And with that introduction, if you're still with us, all aboard. The train is now leaving the station. That's my challenge for the rest of my life. I have a lot of interest. I'm a writer, I'm a screenwriter, I'm a performer. I'm an artist, I'm a painter, I'm a humorist. These are all things I am. And so the, the challenge for the rest of my life is to balance all of these different disciplines in my action, the actions I take as an artist, to incorporate all of this into an artistic life. Yes, I have lots of interests. I can't help that. Maybe I have a little talent in many areas. I don't care if I ever master anything. The challenge is to move forward in each of these disciplines and try to make progress. That's all. Just get better at each one over time and see what happens. I don't care what happens. I just want to be a writer, a performer, a humorist, a painter, a screenwriter. I'm going to finish the Rhonda murder story. That is going to be finished. That's part of it. I can't escape that. I'm, I'm not quitting on things anymore. And that's an unfinished project that will get finished. And I will put it in competition and see what happens. If nothing happens, I don't care. I don't have to write screenplays. I just have to finish this one. My little house in the winter. I like it a lot. It's cozy. I feel comfortable in it. It's in the suburbs, and what I especially like is the backyard. When the previous owner showed me around, he said, This is a forsythia. It's the first to blossom. And what are the colors of the flowers? I asked. I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to plants, you see. I spent my whole life in Paris, near that one cemetery. You know the one. The one where Oscar Wilde, Chopin, and Jim Morrison are buried. If you want, some other time, I'll tell you about Texas Radio and the Big B. It comes out of the Virginia swamps, soft-driven, Across the street from where 
Bare liv. Anyway, he looks at me and says, Bah, elles sont jaunes, bien sûr. Vous ne saviez pas? Tout le monde sait ça. As though I'm an idiot because I don't know they are yellow. You learn something every day, even when you're retired like me. I used to be a molecular biologist. I can tell you about the DNA of the forsythia and the amino acids and the peptides, but I don't know the colors of the flowers. That's just the way it is. C'est la vie. Then he shows me a tree and says, This is a eucalyptus. It's still young, but it will grow and become very, very tall. He says it in such a way it feels threatening. And on top of that, he says, Don't prune it, or you will kill it. Donut, or you will kill it. He says it twice, and so I look like I've been dreaming of pruning a eucalyptus tree, and that's why I'm buying the house, when in fact he just put his finger on the very last thing I have on my mind. And then he shows me two plants with Leonis against the garden wall, and he says, those are two kiwi plants. They're called act. Well, I was just getting used to Forsythia, and now it looks like I'm going to have to take a crash course in Latin. Never mind the real name. Two kiwis, I say to myself. So, I settle into the house, and it's nice and warm by the fireplace. I can read my books and do a little bit of writing. I've started to write a crime novel, you know, that's set in Paris in the 1960s, by the way. And it's a short walk to town. I like it in my new home. When the spring comes, every morning, I look out the window. And I watch the birds in the birdhouse I put out there. And I look at the forsythia. And one day, sure enough, the blossoms are there. And they are yellow. I'm glad the owner didn't lie to me. I hate it when you can't trust people. And then the eucalyptus starts having leaves and it seems to be growing, although I'm not really sure. And the other two plants, the kiwis, they just wait and wait and wait until one day there are big green leaves and flowers that are beautiful. I'm really happy. When I go to the market that afternoon, I walk by the fruit stand and I see some kiwis. But I figure I don't need to buy any because I'm going to have some in my backyard soon. But the weeks go by. The flowers go away, and there are no kiwis. 
The big green leaves are beautiful and strong, but there are no kiwis at all, not even one. I'm somewhat puzzled, and when I go back to the fruit stand, I tell the lady who is selling the fruit, and she says, I'll never have any kiwis because those plants I have, they are both female. She says I should plant a male kiwi plant, and then I'll have some fruit. Weeks go by, I think things over, and I figure, no. Those two females, they're happy together, just as they are. They don't need a male or fruit to bother them. They have beautiful flowers and big, sturdy leaves. I'm happy to watch them as they twist their lianas in and out like a double helix of DNA as they climb up the wall and shoot for the sky. They're carefree, and I'd love to watch them because I've always tried to be carefree too, especially since I retired. And now, when I'm in the backyard, and whenever I buy some kiwis at the fruit stand, I say to myself, I'm glad the owner didn't lie and tell me I would have kiwis. I haven't seen him since he sold the house to me. Sometimes I figure he may be like me. He thinks those two females living together are really unique and they should be left alone to enjoy themselves. been listening to the Muffy Drake Podcast. Check us out on the mothership MuffyDrake.com or Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. And the big MD is currently in negotiations to also appear on the wall of a cave in the south of France. Now that one will be a sardonic charcoal rendering that uh, promises to be a delight to the eyes as the firelight flickers, revealing image after image of unrelated stories that would make a Palomino horse or bison nod approvingly as long as we sketched them in a syncopated fashion that would make Degas snort and Magritte punch his fist through a bowler hat. Until next time, Au revoir, amigos. <laughs>